Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 183. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co-founder of Lend at Fintech. Today's podcast is sponsored by Experience Clarity Services. They are the leading subprime consumer credit reporting agency, providing innovative risk management solutions to address the full consumer credit lifecycle. Clarity leverages the combined power of the largest and most comprehensive alternative credit data source with traditional bureau data to provide a more complete view of a consumer's financial behavior. Clarity is committed to providing products that address rapidly changing market conditions. You can learn more by visiting clarityservices.com solutions. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Adam Roseman. He is the CEO and co-founder of Steady. Now, Steady is an interesting company. They're a different type of fintech company. They're going after a niche that is really unoccupied right now, and that is going after those people who have two or three jobs and helping them maximize their income. Uh, And they do this in in, in some very sophisticated ways, uh, which we get into in some depth. Yeah, we also talk about the demographic that they're serving and how sort of shifts in society are really uh, sort of driving demand for what they do. We talk about the engagement the studies had so far. We talk about the interesting relationship they have with a certain famous basketball player. And uh, we talk about the different ideas and the different and the vision that Adam has for the future of Steady. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. Thank you very much, Peter. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here. Okay, my pleasure. So I like to get these things started by giving the listeners a little bit of context, a little bit of background about yourself. And uh, so why don't you tell us what you did before you started Steady? Sure. I started my career as a uh, M&A banker, specifically focused on the technology and consumer sectors. Ended up you know, parlaying that experience into starting a business uh, with my current partner, Michael Loeb, that focused on supporting job growth in emerging economies, so specifically a double bottom line business around investing in uh, local entrepreneurs in developing markets. You know, did that for eight or nine years, and was excited to you know then jump into uh, into the next business with Michael Lope. Okay, so so then, I mean, Steady is a pretty unique business, and we'll get to the, the details in a second. But what what was the idea that led to the founding of Steady? Yeah, so it actually goes back uh, quite a bit. You know, I I grew up in a single parent home with my mom and my younger sister. My mom very hardworking individual, um, was a teacher, always struggling uh, to make ends meet and, and take care of my sister and I, finding ways to make up extra income. And this is, you know, going back 30 years now, you know, you fast forward to, you know, a couple of years ago, just ahead of the founding of Steady, And my father, who I did not grow up with, you know, retired and did not have sufficient retirement income, had been a a restaurant manager his whole life, uh, no college education, and ended up working in retail and wasn't finding sufficient hours to work in retail and ended up you know, putting together effectively an income portfolio that consisted of multiple jobs in order to com- complete an entire income uh, picture for him. 
you know, I started digging into this this particular dynamic uh, of what my father was experiencing and looking at, uh, you know, financial health of low to moderate income Americans and then digging into uh, workforce data and became very fascinated with this sort of quote unquote underemployment uh, dynamic that was happening. Mm-hmm. Specifically, you know, if you look at all recessions dating back to 1991, every recession has led to very significant permanent job loss in that it's published by Alan Fruder from, from Harvard that 94% of new job growth in the U.S. from 2001 to 2015 consisted of non-permanent temporary part-time work. And so we have a dynamic now as technology continues to progress that, you know, workers, specifically those that are uh, low income, you know, not high on the pay scale, um, aren't necessarily unskilled, but whose skills are not valued high economically, are in a position now where with the advancement of technology and businesses able to match labor supply with demand, that they're significantly disadvantaged. And so the sort of direction of of work going forward into this sort of broadly defined future of work involves a situation where people are working more than one job. So much in that in 2016, published statistic from the National Bureau of Economic Research is that 43% of Americans in the workforce already had more than one source of income. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is quickly becoming the new normal and not the exception. So I was very fascinated with that that construct. Right. And then, so why don't you segue now into explaining exactly uh, exactly what Steady does? Yeah. So Steady's belief is that the most important financial decision an individual can make is how they invest their time in the way that they work. And today, specifically, if you are not a highly skilled individual who has a particular type of job in mind that aligns with those skills that's going to pay you well, it's very difficult to figure out what what is going to be the best fit for you, especially if you're having to work multiple jobs. So Steady's business model is built around specifically helping individuals that are you know low to moderate pay scale figure out what are the right income opportunities for them. Um, today, predominantly in the, the construct of filling income gaps. And as we carry forward, you know, a focus on then helping them broadly define their income portfolio. So once they've filled those gaps and stabilized themselves, figuring out how then are they going to move up the income ladder again, in a scenario where they have multiple part-time jobs in most instances. So just to, to give you an example of this, you know, part of the steady solution is we have an income tracker that we heavily uh, encourage individuals to, to tie into, which enables us to do a much better job of delivering and curating the right work opportunities for them because we can see their transactional data and see how they've been earning and built up, build up the network effect of all the users on a platform looking at their various different interests and qualifications, geographies, et cetera, to understand sort of an income score. So what is, how is someone earning versus how they should be earning? And the average individual on the steady platform, when they first sign up for our system, uh, we're able to see about 35% month over month income volatility uh, for these individuals. So that wow. the number is just staggering. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's amazing. So, so that's, I just want to touch on the income tracker because it, it, it's super interesting. Yeah. How are you connecting to get the the data for your income tracker? Sure. So today we use you know the typical data aggregators. We're in the process of uh, consistently evolving which ones we're using um, and multiple of them. You know, focusing on the the income side of the equation. 
you know, PFM tools sort of broadly speaking today, predominantly focus on, you know, expenses and where can you save, you know, and how can you, you know, better allocate funds for cheaper solutions. Our focus is entirely on the other side of the equation, which is the income side of the equation. So once they connect their accounts and we're working heavily to try to get a connection of not just traditional accounts that you'd be able to connect through data aggregators, but the types of accounts where people would be receiving funds, such as peer-to-peer platforms as well, we're working on getting those integrated so that we can have the broadest sense of, uh, of income possible, especially for workers who perhaps are 1099 and doing side jobs where uh, not everything is necessarily flowing through a single account. Right, because you know, you're going to have, obviously, you're going to have their their income, but there's also going to be things like even there might be gifts from some people. There might be a loan from a platform. There's going to be there's often lots of things that are on that income side of the of you know of their of their account. And so, you are you pulling in all of that all of that data? Yeah, so we pull on that data, but we do a couple of things. One is that you know our data team is focused on cleaning the transaction streams and getting better and better over time in identifying what is income and what is not. Um, And when we have a question, because we're never going to be 100% perfect, we always give the individual the detail and they're able to go in and edit, quickly swipe out um, to the extent that they see an income event that doesn't belong or if they need to add something, perhaps that they got paid in cash and didn't deposit, they do have the ability to do that. But obviously, at the same time, we're trying to limit the number of of required actions by the user. So we'll get better and better over it. Right, right. Okay, so then, I mean, you talked about the 43% of Americans that have a second mm-hmm. job. And I imagine there's a bunch more that yep. would probably like a second job if they had an easy way to kind of do it. Um, but anyway, so, so are they, are they, is this 43%, is that your target market or who, who is your target market? Yeah, I mean, that's the majority of our target market, but you're right. There are individuals that don't realize how that if it was easily discoverable that they could pick up some extra funds. For example, you know, a huge audience of Americans today that perhaps are generating enough income from their primary job to make ends meet, but who are not building up retirement savings. And so to the extent that it was uh, easy for them to figure out, okay, here's how I can work three to four to five extra hours a week in a side job of watching a football game and start, you know, putting putting money and having it swept into a savings account to build my retirement. You know, there's there's a whole subset of that remaining 57% that we think is is target. Um, but of that 43%, very representative of America, with the exception of the gender breakdown. So, you know, the the median steady user today uh, or worker is 39 year old with about $55,000 of household income. And 58% of those individuals today on the platform are female. Interesting. More women than men, huh? That's, uh, well, That's so right. Wh- wh- why do you think that is? You know, I think there are t- a couple of reasons. I think one is that, you know, within a household environment, oftentimes, you know, as we've seen through a variety of studies, you know, when the going gets tough, you know, oftentimes uh, you'll find the, the woman, you know, being the one who's, who's, uh, who's taking more initiative, um, especially during sort of extra time. So, I, you know, I think there's a factor of that at play. We also see a factor at play of, um, of women who have perhaps left the workforce, at least in a full-time contract, and now are looking to help to, to earn some extra income uh, because perhaps they've had a family and now they want to either step back into the market or, you know, one job is not cutting it anymore, you know, within the household. So there's a couple of things at play, but I think those are the two primary ones, at least from what we've seen through our user discovery. Right, right. 
Okay, because I so I, I downloaded your app and I, I I logged in and registered and everything and I'm I'm looking at jobs for my local area and it's it's uh-huh. quite amazing. I, I haven't I don't count I haven't counted them. There's probably about fifty different jobs, everything from you know from Airbnb to Upwork to you know, you've got a whole bunch of um, you know, Udemy tutoring, dog sitting, all kinds of different things. So. How do you get these jobs onto your into your app, and what what's sort of the the process you go about, like like vetting the different opportunities? Yeah, so I think Peter, you're we're in an interesting time here because you're you're viewing the app uh, today. Within uh, a week from now, in fact, less than that, because we've already submitted to the Apple Store. Um, there's a very significant advancement happening within our app where we're going from direct relationships with about 130 work from home in did jobs to over 1.2 million new jobs that are being fed into the system that are part-time and shift work from a variety of different sources. So we have direct relationships with a small percentage of the, of the businesses that will now be in the app, but the majority of those are from partnerships with uh, a variety of different trade organizations and, you know, other sources of jobs, some of which are sort of, you know, I think uh, company confidential that I'm not going to go into too much detail on because our goal is to have in the system, you know, every part-time shift good job that exists today, we would like to have in our system, given that we're not focused on monetizing it. And that, you know, as we carry forward, you know, we'll eventually get to full-time work as well um, for those folks who you know, would qualify for and could get into a full-time job. But, you know, when we do that, we want to do it right. So right now, again, in the, the construct of filling an income gap, you know, it, we want to ensure that we have every part-time shift uh, in good job that's available online is, is being seen through our platform. The important thing for us is to curate the right opportunity, right? So in terms of you know, everything from survey data, which our survey has been significantly expanded to click data, to the income tracker data. All of that is being taken into consideration in terms of as we business, build the business going forward, in terms of curating those work opportunities. So think of a Netflix-like algorithm where we're able to see, okay, Peter, you might be in, uh, let's say you're in Kansas City, you know, you're, you're earning X dollars an hour uh, Nancy's also in Kansas City. She's earning Y dollars an hour. She has a very similar skill set to you, very, very similar work history, similar availability. You know, here's what we're seeing that other people like Nancy are doing that you're not to earn more. And as a result, here's the types of work that you should be looking at. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. And uh, so, you know, I'm thinking about this, and that, like there's there's obviously been a demographic shift that we've talked that, that that's been talked about a lot over the last decade, shall we say, into more of the, the gig economy, people call it. But I, like, it seems like there are, I don't know if it's going to be permanent, but there's certainly people that you say have two, three jobs and none of them are full-time, but that's, it's sort of become their their normal way of living. Is this, do you feel like this is where we're moving to? Like the workforce of tomorrow may end up with people choosing a career of multiple part-time jobs. Yeah, I think part of the problem is that today, you know, and let me let me start out by saying, you know, I am not a supporter or fan of the gig economy. Okay, uh, I would much rather have a world where everyone has a full time W two job that mm-hmm. is 
that single job is satisfying their financial requirements, providing a living wage and a series of benefits. The fact of the matter is, unfortunately, we're in a new reality, and that world is not coming back, at least not you know during the course of my work career. And so from our perspective, yes, we are living in a new world. We are living in a world where the income gap is widening, where you know we're going through right now the longest period, as we all know, of economic expansion that any of us have seen and the strongest job market that any of us have seen, supposedly, at least from an unemployment statistic perspective. And yet we're still acquiring users at almost nothing and at significant scale. My fear is what is to come. Right. When we we all know that a contraction will come, we don't know uh, when it will come, but it will come. And when it comes now after this extended period of expansion, you know, the, the progression of technology over the last decade since the last expansion has been tremendous, especially when you look at workforce solutions and um, you look at automation. And so, you know, the despite the fact you have 43 percent of Americans with more than one source of income today, you know, I have no doubt that that's going to be over a 50 percent number once we come out of the next recession, mm-hmm. uh, whenever that is. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I think we are absolutely living in a new world. And there's there's not many people, at least who are uh, reasonably well educated in the topic, who would disagree with that. Right. Right. OK, so I just want to be clear about what you do. So you, you obviously you've got the, the job market or if you want marketplace, I guess you would call it you you know, that um, you said is, is about to greatly expand. Obviously, where I should point out to listeners, we're recording this in mid-December. This will not be published until January. But I, so that's obviously when people get to download it in January, it'll look a little bit different. So you've got the, you've got the job market, you've got the income tracker. How else are you engaging with your customers? Yeah, so we have a content initiative that's being rolled, being rolled out pretty broadly in terms of consistent with our uh, our mission of delivering more income. So that's making suggestions to individuals on, for example, targeting type different groups of individuals on how they can potentially upskill, obtain additional qualifications to move up the income ladder, you know, ways to do better in job interviews, you know, things that will will help them hopefully you know, climb the income ladder over time and get themselves to full employment in an underemployment scenario. And once they get in front of the employer in a job interview, hopefully do well. So a variety of different content tools, content that's also addressing various different pain points that these workers also have. So things like taxes when you're a 1099 worker, things like health insurance, things like other forms of financial services, you know, are, are as we carry forward, you know, we believe that there is going to be a significant play for us to improve the lives of our users when it comes to sustainable forms of credit. For example, mm-hmm. where today, you know, if you are applying for a home loan with Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, you have to provide W-2 income during the verification process to qualify for a home loan. There's a bill that is uh, being put in front of the Senate now focused on um, enabling them to lend to individuals who are using 1099 income for verification. Once that bill hopefully passes, you're still going to be faced with two challenges. The first is going to be actually verifying those multiple 1099 income sources. The second is going to be the volatility component that I talked about earlier. So to the extent that we're able to help smooth that volatility through the the sort of core 
steady solution um, combined with the data set that we have where we're aggregating those income sources. You know, we believe that our data could be very helpful in terms of people that should be uh, credit worthy and should be underwritable actually getting into forms of credit with, you know, this new this new set of data. I'm mm-hmm. sure you probably saw today the announcement with experience, right? New new data partnership yep. around you know, bank, bank accounts and specifically looking at utility bill, bill payment and other things is, is indicators for, for underwriting credit. So this, this, this whole new world of individuals based on the changing nature of work, you know, dramatically impacts as well today their, their ability to qualify for traditional financial services. Right, right. Okay, so you said you're not making money from the, uh, from the jobs. I mean, what, what is your revenue model today and how is that going to, yeah. how is that going to evolve going forward? Yeah, so our revenue model today intentionally is de minimis. And the main reason for that is that, you know, we believe that the power of this platform at scale, that the network effects, again, of this business are dramatic as we add and scale users. And the, the data acquisition that we are deriving from each, each of these individuals is very unique in terms of the combination of work data and income data and transactional data. And also their, their, their activities within the app and outside of the app um, and other forms of, of re-engagement. And so for us, our focus is very much on, for the foreseeable future, doubling down on acquisition, doubling down on data acquisition and, and retention and re-engagement. And, you know, getting to the point where we are able to clearly demonstrate to a user that we are helping to increase their income. And, you know, we have an OKR structure in place with our most important O objective for 2019 being around helping to being able to uh, clearly measure and deliver $100 million of additional earnings in individuals' bank accounts and utilizing our income trackers and scorecard for that. So, you know, to the extent that we're able to do that, we believe that uh, a, a variety, a multitude of, of revenue model opportunities will, will, will open up for us. Right. Okay. Okay, so I want to switch gears a bit and talk about basketball. <laughs> and, um, I know you, you know where I'm going with this. You know, I, I, I do. We, we met at Money 2020 and Shaquille O'Neal, the basketball legend, was there. And uh, he was – I actually got to shake his hand. Thank you for the invitation. And um, so – so Shaquille O'Neal is involved in your in your business. So, firstly, how is he involved, and, and how how did you meet Shaq, and, and and what's the what's the story there? Yeah. So in my prior life, there was a media component to the business, you know, in emerging markets, emerging Asia in particular, and I had the ability to work with Shaquille on a number of different projects that he was doing in Asia. So I had a good amount of interaction with him, got to be very friendly uh, with his business partners. And when uh, I was starting steady, you know, they had reached out to me just to catch up, understand what I was doing next, since we had built a good relationship, you know, visited with them, shared the story of the business. You know, they put Shaquille on FaceTime and about three minutes into the, uh, the conversation with Shaquille, he's like, Adam, just pause for a minute. He's like, you know, I get it. I grew up in a household where I had a single mother who was remarried and she, you know, worked, she had to find multiple sources of income. So did my stepfather in a variety of scenarios. You know, I had very, uh, I needed a very big pair of jeans because uh, <laughs> I was seven feet tall. They were expensive and they had to get me custom clothing. And I, I saw how hard it was and I saw their struggle. Right. And this was, this was pre-Shaft. This was Shaquille days. Right. And that, 
you know, he's still looking at family and friends. He sees the struggles that people are facing and still is, you know, I think very in touch with the reality of the world. Um, and he, he tries very hard to continue to be despite his you know, financial success and his celebrity. And so he, at that point in time, I did not, I literally did not anticipate that he would have any involvement in this business. And he asked me the question, Adam, can I be involved? And what can I do? And I don't want a dollar from you. Um, I want to own a little bit of equity. I want to do a lot of work for you. But I don't want to take a dollar from you because I want every dollar that goes into this business to be invested on helping people. And hopefully, you know, I can contribute to building awareness and building credibility with the users. And hopefully down the road, you know, I have some success in doing that through my my equity position in the company. So Mm -hmm. that was that was it. So then how are you using Shaq today to to get the word out? Obviously, yeah. someone that hundreds of millions of people know pretty, you know, certainly know his face and know of him. How are you using him? Yeah, so Shaquille, as you probably know, he's he's a, a very uh, likable individual. So he, he has a number of brand partnerships. We're the only one that has this construct today where he's not getting paid like is an endorsement, where he has a, you know, a, a vested interest in the business and that he's delivering, you know, services to grow the business because he believes the business is going to be worth something someday. And he, he, he does make the equation of the first business he did that with actually was Google and the second was Ring. Um, and so we got uh, a pretty, pretty, pretty high bar um, in his mind uh, to achieve. And that, that delivers positive added pressure to us to, uh, to create a positive outcome. But, uh, you know, so I think from from Shaquille's perspective, you know, he certainly brings credibility, especially early on in a business's development, because, you know, if, uh, you know, a lot of low to moderate income individuals who interact via digital platforms are always looking for red flags, right? Is this, is this real? Is, is, is there an ulterior motive? There absolutely is not. We are a very mission driven organization, but having Shaquille there helps to lower that that question factor a little bit because people don't believe at least the majority of them you always have naysayers but at least the majority of them don't believe that Shadil is going to risk his reputation on something that is uh that is shady per se so it provides sort of that a little bit of that trust factor that's hard to get early on in a business's development until you build a brand the second component is it is helpful in the b2b community so you know Shadil is um you know a, a very uh fun-loving outgoing individual who a lot of people want to meet and so, you know, using him both in uh, media, which we'll be doing a lot of, you know, starting next year, in addition to, you know, in a B2B environment, things like Money 2020 that you mentioned are great. You know, I think he, a big portion of what he's doing for us is to bring, again, awareness to the problem. So when we, ha- when we have him in front of the media, talk about the challenges of Americans uh, today, talk about how this is like, you know, something that appears in most Americans' minds to just be kind of is what it is, but this is, you know, perhaps one of the biggest economic challenges that the world has potentially ever faced, what we're going to see over the course of the next 20 years mm-hmm. with automation and what that does to workforce transformation. So bringing awareness to that because we are so far behind in so many different ways. And then lastly, you know, I think events. And so, you know, having Shaquille at, at events, specifically user-oriented consumer events, that you know, can create awareness and you know a, a, a PR lift, you know, or things where where we'll be using him. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, Peter. I also mentioned I forgot the last, the most important piece that I should have said first is what we've used Shaquille for the most during the first sort of nine or ten months that he's been working with us is around sitting with users. And so you know we do focus group after focus group after focus group 
you know, around the country sitting with individuals, sometimes one-on-one, sometimes in a room of four, six, eight people who were from all walks of life who were having income challenges, either their temporary shocks to income or some unexpected expense or people who are consistently struggling. And uh, every now and then we'll bring Shaquille and he'll show up in the room and help moderate. <laughs> and you know, we've done a number of those. And, uh, you know, when people first walk in the room, you know, when he first, first walked in the room, they're shocked. But there is not one session we've had him in thus far that he and someone else in the room are not in tears in the corner together, you know, around some topic that's been challenging by the end of that discussion. Typically, you know, it's, it's a single mother. I'm just given, you know, the, the history of him and the fact that his mom was a teenage mother. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's the most important thing that we do is actually have him sit with users. Right, right. Got it. So then can you just give us some, some idea of the traction you were getting today? I mean, what, uh, like how, how many people have signed up? Yeah, so we, we feel good about where we're at. Um, we, uh, we only started our beta in April of this year, uh, our public launch at the beginning of August with our MVP. And the traction has um, blown us away. I think, you know, it's, it's a positive from a business perspective. It's a negative just seeing how much, you know, of a challenge there is for so many Americans today. So we, you know, in December, we're, we're blowing past 400,000 app down, downloads. You know, uh, we'll finish off this month between around 320,000-ish full registrations. We're seeing very active re-engagement, you know, high retention. You know, what we're seeing for most of these individuals on the platform is that, you know, job search, when you have an income challenge, job search is perpetual. And when you have an income portfolio, it's not like for a lot of us that, you know, we might need to search or think about what's next every one, two, five years. For them, it's constant, right? Because there's never enough and they're never satisfied. Um, in the interim tracker, those that are using the interim tracker, um, their usage of the app is much, much higher. So we have a number of even more retentive features all tied to income that we're rolling out in the new year, continuing to enhance and improve the curation technology with a lot of major curation mile- technology milestones that are going to happen in Q1 and Q2. We're up to 40 plus team members today, most of that in you know dev and product. And we're feeling really good about the path that we're on. Uh, you know, there's a long way to go, but um, you know, January would be our, our first month where we're where we have more than 100,000 downloads in a single month. So, you know, long way to go, but a, a, a better start than we could have hoped for. Right, right. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, we're almost out of time. But just a couple, just a couple more questions, if I may. You know, it, you know, it seems to me that you're you're really creating a new niche here. You know, this is. Like this is something that you, know, you see so many so many companies focusing on you know on the expense side of of the equation or or the lending side of the equation, and you're really focusing on the on the income side. And um, so, who do you see as as your competitors? Yeah, so I think you're right. We are we are sort of trotting down a new path. So. In terms of direct competition of people doing exactly what we're doing today, there's no one yet, at least that we're aware of. There will be, um, but there's no one yet. Mm-hmm. In terms of those that we're fighting for eyeballs with, right? So first off, where are other people go to, going to look for jobs today? They're going to Indeed. They're going to Monster. They're going to ZipRecruiter. Um, they're going to snag a job. Some of them are using Google. You know, but that process is a traditional search process. So you have to know what you're looking for. You have to type something into a search bar and you have to hope that the 10,000 results that come up with you in front of you 
that, you know, a few of those are going to fit and that you're going to fill out a long application and hopefully get a callback. But, you know, the business model of all of those companies that I just mentioned is, is client side. So specifically on the, uh, the corporate side of the equation. So who's ever posting the job listing is the one that's paying. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they're always going to optimize the experience for the business, not for the worker. Right. So we believe that that process is fundamentally broken, but we, we absolutely compete with them for eyeballs around job seekers. The other side of the equation around sort of the financial tools, I think a little bit mint, right? And other PFM tools that show income. But I also think that, you know, uh, companies like those can be great collaborative partners for us because we have a particular focus on one specific element of the equation, which is income, which can lead to a lot of other, you know, other things over time. So I would say today we're sort of, you know, we're a hybrid and we're competing a, a, a little bit against both sides of those, the equation for eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So last question, you know, you've touched on some of these, some of the things, but um, already, but I'm curious about how you view your company in the long term. So are you, what are some of the things when you, when you sort of talk to investors, you know, you know talk to other people, what do you say when you, when like, where, where's, where's Steady going to be in five or 10 years time? Yeah, what I say is that if you are not a highly skilled worker that's doing one particular item, you know, over the course of your career, so if you're not a data scientist, if you're not a, you know, if you're not a developer, if you're not a college professor, because I think even, even you know, uh, teachers, uh, there's a lot of, a ton of teachers on our platform. So if you're not in a high paid, highly skilled work environment, Steady is the place that you go to earn and to your your primary source or path to go to earn and track your income. Uh, hopefully getting to the point as well where we're, we're helping in some spectrum of the financial services uh, world. But you know, to the extent that we are in a position where we have millions of users on our platform, okay, and where we have all of the transactional data, all of their work data, so everything that you would see in a CV, a ton of other micro interactions that are happening with the user, you know, we're going to be in a position where we're going to be able to curate work opportunities night and day better than anyone else. Right. And there will be no reason for them to go anywhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the other thing that happens once you get to that point is we do build a sense of community. Right. So, you know, the, 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 the way of the 20th century union, unfortunately or fortunately, however, whatever side of the equation you're on, is going by the wayside. But to the extent that you build a platform with a tremendous amount of data, you have the ability to effectuate change that can help that, that element of the population. So, you know, a lot of initiatives around advocacy, other thing, types of things that we can do that will become more and more powerful as our platform scales certainly are on, our, on, our, uh, on the horizon. Right. Well, it's, it's, it's a fascinating idea, and I, I certainly wish you all the best, Adam. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Peter. Okay. I appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. See you. Bye-bye. It's interesting to me because it really is a pretty simple idea what uh, what Adam and the team are doing, but it's it's interesting that no one has focused on this community of people in this way, and clearly they have they have some pretty significant needs. And you know, it strikes me that you know we all have 168 hours in the week, and how we spend that dictates kind of how much we are able to earn. And what I love about what Steady's doing is that they give people ideas for maximizing their earnings. And say you're willing to work a second job for 10 hours a week 
a lot of people don't give that much thought and they just think, oh, I'll just go and drive for Uber or Lyft or something and then that will, that will suffice. But what Steady is doing is like, is, is saying, let's have a think about that. Let's try and maximize those 10 hours to, to the utmost. And, you know, if they end up getting traction, this is going to be a very interesting segment. And, and, and I imagine there'll be a lot of, a lot of companies wanting to partner with Steady to get access to these kinds of people. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening, and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Today's episode was sponsored by Experience Clarity Services. Clarity's suite of FCRA-regulated reports and predictive scores yields significant insight into a consumer's financial behavior throughout the alternative financial services industry. Clarity delivers data-driven risk management solutions that address prospecting, credit evaluation, fraud detection, portfolio management, and collections. You can learn more by visiting clarityservices.com solutions.